Hi everyone, welcome to Pain and Power, an African American history podcast. I'm your host, Queen. Hey guys, today on Pain and Power, we will learn about the life and legacy of Arthur Ashe. I would like to dedicate this episode to an old high school friend that passed away. His name was Samuel Brown. The very first time I heard the name Arthur Ashe was from Samuel. He attended Arthur Ashe Elementary School here in Chicago. So every time I hear Arthur Ashe, I think about Sam. Um, Arthur Ashe was the first African-American to win the men's singles title at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open and the first African-American man to be ranked number one in the world. Not the city, not the state, but the world, Craig. Now, <laughs> um, Arthur Ashe was born July 10, 1943 in Richmond, Virginia. His parents were Arthur Ashe Sr. and Maddie Cordell. Maddie Cordell Cunningham Ashe. He had one brother named Johnny who was five years his junior. The family claimed direct descent from Amor a West African woman who was enslaved and brought to America in 1735 aboard a ship called the Doddington. Ash family members were owned by North Carolina Governor Samuel Ash. That's crazy. How gross is it to say I own a human human being, you know, like my slave? Like, that's gross. How disgusting, okay? <laughs> um March 1950, Arthur Ashe's mother passed away from complications related to toxemic, from a toxemic pregnancy known today as preeclampsia. She was 27 years old. Arthur Ashe and his brother were raised by their father, who worked as a handyman and salary caretaker um, and a special policeman for Richmond's Recreation Department. Ash had a caring but strict father. He encouraged his son to do well in school and in sports also. Because of his slight build, his father didn't want Arthur playing American football for the fear he might get seriously injured. The Ash family lived in the caretaker's cottage on the grounds of the 18-acre Brookfield Park, Richmond's largest blacks-only public playground, which had basketball courts, four tennis courts, and a pool there. Three, basketball, three baseball diamonds were there as well. Arthur Ashe began playing tennis at the age of seven. He was a natural. Ash was he was Arthur Ash was noticed and started getting free basic lessons by a part-time Brookfield tennis coach who was a student at Virginia Union University. His name was Ron Charity, who at the time was the best black tennis player in Richmond, Virginia. Ash attended Maggie L. Walker High School, where he continued to practice tennis. Ron Charity introduced Arthur to a man named Robert Walker Johnson. Robert Robert Walter Johnson, sorry. Um, he was a physician and the coach of Althea Gibson. And Althea Gibson was a good tennis player, well, one of the best tennis players around that time. Johnson founded and funded the junior development program of the ATA, the American Tennis Association. Robert Walter Johnson and Althea Gibson will have their own Pain and Power episode, you guys. Um, 
So please stay tuned because they both did great things also. Okay, Johnson had a tennis summer camp in Lynchburg, Virginia, where he coached and mentored Arthur Ashe. And that mentorship was from 1953 when Arthur was 10 years old until 1960. During that time, Johnson helped Ash tighten up his skills, but he also taught him the importance of racial socialization through sportsmanship etiquette. And that classiness and composure became what Arthur Ash was known for, even dealing with unfair and unreasonable conditions. They changed the rules to make it harder for you and you still win. Hallelujah. Okay, picture that. In 1958, Ash became the first African-American to play in the Maryland's Boys Championship. Let's have a quick conversation. Why is it so important for African-Americans to always be first? I'm asking that question because it feel like throughout this whole, you know, segment, all I keep saying is he was the first African-American, the first, the first. Well, I feel like back then it was a racial and political thing, like African-Americans didn't have rights. And nowadays I feel like it's an ego thing, like I was the first to do this or I was the first to do that, you know. Um, so nowadays it's like an ego thing. But back then I really feel like it was just, oh, excuse me. Excuse me, guys. I just feel like now it was just back then it was just a fight for your rights type thing, okay? Um, and it wasn't, and black people didn't have a lot of rights back then. So when it was an African American person really doing something noticeable, then I guess it was easier for for society to be like, oh, that's the first African American to do. Okay, you guys. Um, during Arthur Ashe's high school years, he experienced segregation. Ash got more freedom to play um, tennis when he met a man named Richard Hudlin. Ash lived and trained with Hudlin for about a year with his family, um, with Richard Hudlin's family, um, serving as like a host family for Arthur Ash. 1960-1963, Ash appeared in Sports Illustrated. The segment was called Faces in the Crowd. He became the first African-American to win the National Junior Indoor Tennis title and was awarded a tennis scholarship to the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. And that was 1963. Ash was also a member of the ROTC, which required him to enter active military service at the graduation in exchange for tuition money. Arthur Ash also joined Upsilon chapter of the Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity on campus. Ash graduated from UCLA with a bachelor's degree in business administration right after. Right after that, he joined the United States Army on August 4, 1966. February 22, 1969, Arthur Ash was discharged from the Army as a second lieutenant. For his service, he was awarded the National Defense Service Medal for National Defense Service Medal. Ash served a total of two years in the United States Army. And in 1965, Ash was the number three player in the, U in the United States, the number three tennis player in the U.S. The first ever black player to be selected for the U.S. Davis Cup team, and that was in 1963. Arthur Ash won two titles, the National College um, Athletic Association, um, the NCAA, um, singles title and the doubles title. With those wins, 
he helped UCLA win the team to NCAA team tennis championship. Um, Ash won a French opening, French Open at Wimbledon, um, the Grand Prix tennis circuit. You name it, Arthur Ashe did it, and he played hard for years. In 1977, a heel injury on his left foot required surgery and long-term rehabilitation. His world ranking in tennis dropped to number 257, but he fought his way back, making a comeback to the 13th, number 13 position in the world at the age of 35. In December of 1979, Arthur Ashe had heart surgery and retired on April 16, 1980, officially at the age of 36. His career record, 108, I'm sorry, his career record, 818 wins, 260 losses, and 51 titles. Ash remains the only black man to win the singles title at Wimbledon and U.S. Open or the Australia opening. He is one of the only two men of African-American descent to win any Grand Slam singles titles, the other being Francis Yannick Noah. Francis Yannick Noah. He was ranked as the 21st best player of all times, Arthur Ashe. His, after his retirement from tennis, Arthur Ashe still excelled in his life. He wrote for Time Magazine and for the Washington Post. He commentated for ABC Sports and HBO from the early years of 1980s, from the early 1980s until a few months before his death. Arthur Ashe founded the National Juniors Tennis League and served as captain of the U.S. Davis Cup team from 1981 to 1985. Also in 1985, Arthur Ashe was elected to be the international, he was elected to the International Tennis Hall of Fame. In 1988, Ashe published a three-volume book titled A Hard Road to Glory, A History of the African-American Athlete. After six years of research, he stated his book was more important than any tennis title he ever won or competed for. Ash appeared in Ken Burns' 1994 documentary, Baseball, discussing Jackie Robinson's impact on the game. Ash was also an active civil rights supporter. He was a member of a delegation of 31 prominent African-Americans who visited South Africa to observe political change in the country as it approached, as it approached racial integration. He was arrested on January 11, 1985, for protesting outside the embassy of South Africa, Washington, D.C. During an anti-apartheid rally, he was arrested again on September 19, 1992 outside of the White House for protesting on the recent crackdown on Haitian refugees. In October 1976, Ash met a photographer and graphic artist named Gian Matasami, and at the United, and at a United Negro College Fund benefit, Matasami, who was of mixed heritage as well, um, was the daughter of an architect, John Matasami. Um, the couple married February 20, 1977 and eight, in 1977. In 1986, they adopted a daughter named Kimora. And in July 1979, at the age of 36, Ash had an heart attack. Um, 
cardiovascular di disease was hereditary in Arthur Ashe's family. September 1988, Ash was hospitalized for experiencing paralysis in his right arm. His under he underwent ex exploratory brain surgery. The brain surgery was as unnecessary as it sounded. Um because blood tests revealed that Ash was HIV positive. Ash and his doctors believed that the virus was contracted from blood transfusions he received during his second heart surgery. He and his wife decided to keep his illness private for the sake of their daughter, who was two years old at the time. In 1992, Arthur Ash put out the news of his declining health before it came out in a scandalous way. His way was basically his way, his pace. He did blame USA Today. He felt like they forced him to reveal his illness because they were going to put the story out, um, courtesy call or not. So Ash felt like he was forced to reveal his illness, but he decided to do it his way instead of letting uh, a tabloid or a magazine put it out there for him. Ash did feel relieved that he didn't have to harbor, harbor such a huge secret or feelings of someone trying to expose him. Um, after going public with his illness, the Arthur Ash Foundation was founded for the defeat of AIDS. Works to raise awareness about the virus and advocated teachings of safe sex and sex education. Arthur Ash also wanted to clear up misconceptions um, that only homosexual and bisexual men or IV drug users were at risk for contracting HIV because that's a huge misconception. September 1992, he suffered a mild heart attack. Two months before his death, he founded the Arthur Ashe Institute for Urban Health to help address issues of inadequate health care um, delivering. He was named Sports Illustrated Magazine Sportsman of the Year. Arthur Ashe also finished the manuscript of his memoir, Days of Grace, less than a week before he passed away. On February 6, 1993, Arthur Ashe passed away from AIDS-related pneumonia at New York Hospital at the age of 49 years old. His funeral was held at the Arthur Ashe Athletic Center in Richmond, Virginia. On February 10th, he, his viewing was held at the governor's mansion. More than 500 people lined up to pay their last respects. Just as he requested, he was buried next to his mother who passed away in 1950. Arthur Ashe, your legacy lives on. Thanks guys so much for listening. I'll return next Friday with another story. Check out Instagram for pictures at Pain Power Podcast. Please send all messages and suggestions to painpowerpodcast at gmail.com. It's Queen. I love you guys. Peace out.